0: to another episode of Faith in UU, a podcast for everyone. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims, and I serve as the minister at the Unitarian Universalist Church of the Restoration in Mount Airy in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is the middle of January. We are coming up on Martin Luther King Day, and I have been away for a little bit, so I've been unable to load up a pod or reflect on anything that happened over our holiday season. But suffice to say... The holidays were wonderful here in Philadelphia, and then my partner and I took a trip to India where we got to experience the joy of a lifetime to see two friends get married, and we got to tour around India, and it was just an incredible experience, but I'm still dealing with a little bit of jet lag and a whole lot of FOMO uh, after having left India to come back here. But here we are. Um, So I just wanted to update folks on what's going on here in Pennsylvania And for our new listeners, give you a little bit of a a refresher on what this podcast is about. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims, and I use he, him pronouns, and I'm serving as a minister at a Unitarian Universalist church. I come from West Texas, and I grew up with a Christian background, and Christianity still informs my major theological point of view. But I started this podcast to try and provide a, a progressive viewpoint of what's going on in our neck of the woods, and how I see it, and how it might apply to uh, the greater world. So I take a look through a Christian lens. I'm also a white, straight, male, young guy, um, tall and with a goofy Southern accent. So that colors the way that I see the world. Um, But I wanted to offer kind of a counterpoint for the way that Southern Christianity gets presented um, by some of our siblings who are a little bit off the path uh, in my mind. So that's where this idea for the podcast came from. And then I wanted to do something for Unitarian Universalists as a way to promote our values and our belief system and share it with folks, and have a place for my church to put up our sermons and our worship experiences, and provide a little bit of hope and light to the world, as we've been uh, we've been in need, I think. So that is where all this came from. I've been able to post a few of my sermons. And I did one on Christmas Eve that was very well received, and I have not found a way to get that audio and put it up on this feed yet, uh, in the Faith in UU list yet. But I'm hopeful that that will come at some point, although we may at this point. Might as well just wait until the next Christmas. we got another one coming around. But such is life in the church and in ministry. So those are the updates, and that's what's going on here. Um, And like I said, it's the middle of January now. It's been a while since we've thrown a pod up. But we are coming up on the celebration and honoring of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. We have a big worship service coming up on Sunday and then Monday the federal holiday is a day of service for us uh, especially for those of us who are UU who live in the Philly area there's a large concerted effort for a day of service but there are volunteers and projects coming on across the country So if you are not living in Philadelphia, I encourage you to get out and find a volunteerism project and a service project to participate in on Monday in honor of the legacy of Martin Luther King. It's going to be a great day, and the saying is, it's not a day off, it's a day on. And as someone who participated in the AmeriCorps program, I was in the AmeriCorps program in Connecticut for two years after I graduated from undergrad where we were doing service all the time, and Martin Luther King Day was very important to the kids who I was teaching, we would go out and do a service project, uh, and it's, it's a great memory that sticks with me, and I, I hope that others find a way to give back on the federal holiday, especially recognizing those of us uh, and our siblings here in America who are affected by the government shutdown. We're doing what we can here in Philadelphia to provide for those folks who are trying to make ends meet, but it's a very real time of need, and I think we're in need of a day of service for those who are less fortunate now more than ever. Along with that day of service that's coming up, there comes a time where we celebrate Martin Luther King, and we start to get all sorts of social media posts or conversations with relatives about what the legacy of the man is. There's a lot of whitewashing of Martin Luther King that goes on. And I I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say there was a little bit of whitewashing of Martin Luther King within Unitarian Universalism as well, Um, and especially within our role in the movement back during the 50s and 60s, something I want to talk about maybe not today, but maybe in a later post. I was struck in researching the topic for what I'm going to preach about on Sunday, of the parallels between the civil rights era and today. And it's been 50 years since Martin Luther King was assassinated, and the division in our country now seems to parallel the division in our country then. And in speaking to some of my older congregants and my older uh, friends and mentors, I kind of always ask, is this what it felt like? Is what I'm feeling now, this existential anxiety, this uh, fear of opening up my phone to check the news of what is going to happen today, this wondering if we're ever going to be able to come back to any kind of harmony or consensus, not that we were ever totally united as a country, but can can we rid ourselves of these pernicious evils, the racism, the white supremacy, just the bigotry, the hatred? Can we find a way to come back together in some way? And I asked folks who were living during the civil rights movement, is this what it felt like? Did, did the country feel this divided when you were young, or when you were there? And I've actually been encouraged by their answers and they've surprised me. Because a lot of the folks will say, oh, the division, this is, this is bad, but it's not as bad as it was during the 60s, during the Vietnam War and during the civil rights movement. We were divided then, more so than now. But the difference is the stakes then didn't feel quite so high. That back in the 60s, there was was hope for the progress and that it, it was a momentary blip and we just had to get through this war and come out on the other side. But nowadays, with the president that we have in office, it feels like the stakes are higher, is what they told me. Whether that's because of nuclear weapons, or economic inequality, or the threat to the planet. I don't know what quite what's driving that fear, but I feel it. I feel it. That the stakes are high. And we're making a little bit of progress, I think. And I'm hopeful that the more that we continue to fight and to struggle together, the more progress that can be made. And I remain hopeful. And I was thinking back to a meeting that we had. There's an annual meeting of UU ministers that precedes the General Assembly. And last summer it was in Kansas City. And we had this ceremony called the 2550 service. And it's where we honor folks who were ordained either 25 years ago or 50 years ago. And then a speaker is chosen to proffer some kind of wisdom from the quote-unquote class of 93 or, in this case, 68. 50 years ago, 1968, Reverend Olav Neuujar was a 50-year speaker. And he got up there and reflected on what life and ministry were like in the year 1968 and how much had changed in life and how much had not changed. So for example, he talked about, this is a quote, and for some of us, the world we know seemed to be crumbling apart. Oof. He talked about how the war in Vietnam was raging and the country felt divided and he said, and President Nixon had just been elected, who insisted that he was not a crook Imagine what it would be like to have a liar as a president. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? He went off to list a a whole lot more instances in the uh, 60s that that really resonated with those of us today who were just starting out. Um, On a wider note, the funny of which was that a Trudeau was the Prime Minister of Canada in 1968, just as a Trudeau is the Prime Minister of Canada today, interestingly. But Reverend Olav, he kept saying that here we are 50 years later. Here we are 50 years later. And it seems like things haven't changed that much. That we're still at war, just in a different place. A war started on a lie. So you think we might have learned that we've allowed racism to come out of the closet, where it's enabled by our government, enabled by a corrupt system of voter suppression and voter oppression. I was meditating on that as we get ready to celebrate MLK Day and the legacy of the man. Because before he was assassinated, Dr. Martin Luther King was not popular in the United States. This is something I learned, educated by my black classmates and my black friends, that I, I had unknowingly taken in a lot of whitewashed history of MLK that it's not all remember the titans and everybody come together and black folks get to know white folks. It was not all happy happy. And before he was killed, his, his approval rating was low. And it was because people thought he was demanding too much, that he was trying to go too fast. When he started calling out the evils of the country, of racism, poverty, and militarism. He spoke out against the war and when he demanded universal basic income and economic dignity. That was a little step too far from just the right to vote. We talked about how these systems were engineered to oppress people of color and that they were binding up white folks in that system too. Binding up those white folks into a state of sin what I would call it. Sin in terms of a separation. Right? A separation from your neighbors, a separation from your siblings, binding them up in this state of sin by inflaming that racial and classist hatred. Fifty years ago. And here we are today, fifty years on. With that same system raging. And that same playbook still being used. So Dr. King knew that truth then, and he called it out, and people hated him for it. And I learned this, that he planned to give a sermon on the next Sunday after he got done in Memphis, a sermon he would never get to give, that was titled, America May Go to Hell. as a strong statement. America may go to hell. But there are two ways to read it, right? You can read it as kind of a dismissive, callous statement of indifference. Like, oh, you don't like progress? Well, then America may go to hell for all I care, right? Or you might say America may go to hell, but it's not written in stone. It's not resolutely set or finished, that there's room for possibility For hope. I like that. I like the idea that the racism we're seeing today does not have to be the future. And it's striking home for me even more so now than just experiencing it secondhand through my black friends and black colleagues. But it struck us here at Restoration a little more closely to home. We woke up one morning, um, it was last month, to go on our lawn and find a bag of rocks with a racist screed written inside of it, threatening our church, threatening uh, race mixing, people who engage in race mixing, and seeming to target our church because we are multiracial, multi-ethnic, multicultural. And I was not super unnerved about this but I was wary. It seemed like a kind of a low production value to be honest with you. It was a ziplock bag and it had white rocks and it had a piece of paper printed on two sides. It looked like a fifth grader had done it up in computer class using Microsoft Paint um, and the fifth grader didn't really know how to use the computer. So I used to teach fifth grade and If I were grading it, I'd give it maybe a C- for production value. But still, it worried some folks. And we filed a police report, and the FBI got involved, and there was a a lot of stuff that came around it. But mostly it was angering to me. I wasn't afraid. I was angry. I was angry that someone felt emboldened enough to do that, to find a church that has a Black Lives Matter banner, and instead of standing up and meeting with me or making their displeasure known in some adult way, they snuck up in the middle of the night to leave a bag on our lawn trying to scare us, and I was angry about it. And I was angry about it, and I was angry about the system that enabled it, and I was angry about my own history and the things that I had been taught. So at one point that I would have thought that was okay or that was not that bad. Because it is a small thing. But it's it's a symptom of a much larger problem. The problem that Dr. King called out 50 years ago and the problem that we're still facing today. And so we still have this statement, America may go to hell. And is it a prophecy or is it a chance for hope? Reverend Olav at that 2550 service in Kansas City continued, he said, hope is not wishful thinking. It is something profoundly deeper that the work we do in our congregational lives, as you use as progressive people of faith, from my tradition, from progressive Christianity, the work that we do is that of service to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because we know deep down fundamentally that our liberations are bound up together. That racism does not just affect people of color, although it affects them more and more negatively, but it affects me too as a white person that I cannot be extricated from that sin, right? I am bound up in that too, and the only way to get free is for everyone to be free, free at last, free at last. So we live with hope in this work because it fuels our notion for what is possible for us as human beings. Hope is not wishful thinking, but it is, to quote Universalist minister Clinton Lee Scott, a quality of living, that makes space for the wishes of peace and justice to ring true. Hope is not wishful thinking, but it is a quality of living. Friends, that's what I want us to think about as we get ready to celebrate the legacy of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. To think about how there is always a new possibility, a possibility that may outlive even us as it outlived him. The conviction that the future is not resolutely set or finished, The possibility of the future sits part and parcel with our affirmation of sacred principles, as you use these guideposts we have for how we are to live our lives. That we live with hope and faith in the infinitely possible progress of our society and of our own souls, right? We condemn the evils of the world where we find them, like Dr. King asked us to do. Racism, poverty, militarism. We seek to always act out of love, to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what I'm excited about this weekend, that we get another chance to start anew. We have a day of service on Monday. We have a sacred service on Sunday, but it does not have to end there. It's a way to start out this new year in hope and possibility. So with that conviction foremost in our minds, as we seek to continue the legacy, I'm working to rid myself of the whitewashing of the man. To know that the condemnation of a country that may go to hell is right alongside the conviction that one day children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That it's okay to call out those things in our country and within ourselves, that that stuff is inside me, too. So I'm looking forward to this opportunity to once again engage in service and in love to rid myself of that stuff that I label as sin to work together in hope for the future. And I hope you will join me. I hope you will join me a church in your area perhaps with the hundreds of thousands of folks across our nation who are going to get together on Monday and honor a man who was gone too soon, but a man who was killed because he spoke the truth about what he was seeing. There's a foundational legend about Unitarian Universalism that they participated in the Selma movement Uh, and there was contact between Coretta Scott King and a Unitarian church in Boston and when Martin Luther King was there, they talked briefly about him joining the colleagues as a Unitarian minister. But they were aware that they might not be able to build a movement of black Americans from within the Unitarian ranks. The denomination was maybe a little too white, a little too moderate. And We talk about participation in the Civil Rights Movement and the participation in Selma, James Reeb, who was killed there, but we still have our own problems here in Unitarian Universalism 50 years later. And so I wonder if this is an opportunity for us as a denomination to do a little soul-searching once more 50 years on and to see how far we've come and where else we still need to do a little work. Because even if we as a denomination don't believe in literal hell, I think the hell of the division of our country becoming the division of our denomination, becoming the division of our very own souls, is just as hellish. But we can start to work against that. To build again. To renew ourselves and the world this weekend, starting today, tomorrow, and the day after that. And that is an encouraging thought. So friends, I hope that you find time this week to be of service, to honor the legacy, to love fiercely, to call out evils, and to know that the goodness that is within you is waiting to burst forth. And when we're together, working in love, that goodness can overcome any evil. May that be so. Amen. If you want to know more about Reverend McKinley, you can contact him online at his blog, uuministry.com backslash McKinley Sims. That's uuministry.com backslash McKinley Sims. You can also follow him on Twitter at McKinley L. Sims. Follow him on Twitter, at McKinley L. Sims. We'll see you next time.